RipperCast presents 10 Weeks in Whitechapel, Week 10, a cast party roundtable discussion about the audio series based on the blog 10 Weeks in Whitechapel, written and narrated by Carl Kopek, and featuring the voices of Paul Begg, Neil R.A. Bell, Carl Kopek, John Reese, Allie Ryder, Ian Wilson, and Brian Young. This project would have never occurred without the aid and assistance of many people who were unable to join us on this discussion episode, so I would like to individually thank Andrew Firth for providing all of the artwork and music for the series, as well as lending his voice to a few parts like James Brown, Ralph Finn, and William Marshall. Philip Hutchinson, who read the newspaper articles, Catherine Amin, who played Polly Nichols, Mary Jane Kelly, and the bus lady. Keely Wilson was Annie Chapman, Catherine Eddowes, and a couple of other female roles. Gareth Williams played Robert Anderson. Adam Stevens played Matthew Packer, Michael Barrett, and a few others. Callum Williams and Steve McDermott split up a lot of the other male roles, like Little Child and John Davis. Michael Hawley was Colonel Charles Dunham. Paul Begg was Melvin McNaughton. Ian Wilson was Donald Swanson. John Reese played several characters, Dr. Bernardo, Broad-Shouldered Man, Israel Schwartz, Druitt, amongst many others. Neil R.A. Bell lent his voice to most of the medical men and police officials like Baxter Phillips, Blackwell, Aberling, Dew, and Sir Charles Warren. And Allie Ryder was, of course, the Ripper Letters. I would like to express my appreciation to all of them again for their participation. And now on with the show, which we join already in progress. We, we covered a lot of territory with the Oh Dear Boss with Carl. Yeah. Um, so we'll, <clears throat> we're probably going to be repeating some of that. Allie had some ideas. I told Allie to help me run this show, right, Allie? <laughs> that was before the vodka. Y'all, no. <laughs> um, um, well, no, I was just, like, throwing stuff out. Like, I, I again, I, I caveat that I'm saving listening to the whole series, so I didn't know what was covered in Oh Dear Boss because I'm saving the series for my road trip to Utah. So, You're going to go see Ian? Oh, no. Well, actually, no. He decided to move there after. We we went to Utah on tw- our 2015 road trip and liked it so much that we're going back to hike um, hike it again. So then he decided to move there, which... Can we just say that this is all on podcast now going forward? Well, you, you can talk about whatever you want. Um, no, but it's okay that you're saving... Um, I wanted to leave that. Uh, the reason I said that is because when you started talking about le- you haven't listened to the series, but you want to leave leave it for a road trip and stuff like that. I well, was kind of wanting to leave you that said in. Some of my suggestions. Okay. Well, okay. Then I'll just start over. Because you said you had already covered some of it in Old Dear Boss, so I don't actually know what's in that yet because I haven't. I have not okay. listened to it. Yet, Allie so hasn't listened to an episode of Rippercast since 2010. Let's just oh, be that is not true. <laughs> except for the ones, except for the Tumble Tea show that she was in, uh, which <laughs> I was ra- nearly fired for. Uh. I've done some of the episodes since 2010. <laughs> I think. I have vague memories of this. Oh, she's listened to the ones she's done over and over again, I'm sure. <laughs> actually, no, I, I don't actually listen to the ones I've been on. <laughs> yeah, you might be I don't believe that pleasure for others. <laughs> uh, so, like I was saying, we covered some of this in, in Oh Dear Boss, but since we have more guests on, this is kind of a cast party for the show 10 Weeks in Whitechapel. And Carl is, the- is here with us. Hi, Carl. Hello. Are you glad to, for it to finally be over? Um, it's not completely over yet, is it? But... Uh... Yeah, I, I've actually started working on some non-Ripper stuff, so I, I do feel like I've put it away um, for the time being. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's been an extraordinary process, all this, right from the idea of starting the whole blog to um, narrating it, which is something I've never done before. 
Um, and, and now I'm involved in a cast party. So this has been completely surreal for me for the last three months. <laughs> I've never had anything like this before in my life, which is quite strange. Um, I'm reminded also of uh, one of the comments I had on Twitter, which you, you know would be um, struck me as quite strange. Was someone said, um, "I like your narration. I think that's very good, um, but it's also really good that you've got some actors in with you. So therefore, you are all actors, according to uh, the person on Twitter." In that case, when am I getting paid, Mingus? The same day, yeah. The same, the same day I. And I start charging uh, for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but the way that it's uh, been, but you actually stopped the narration process, what like a month ago or so, right? Yeah, but 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 such is my paranoia that I've I've always had the feeling that I've got to go back and do it again because um, uh, as has been pointed out, I do talk quite quickly. Um, which is a trait um, being from Liverpool that that's quite common. Um, it, it, basically, in dire fear of being interrupted at some point, so we, we talked quite quickly. So I've always thought that at some point I'm going to have to, you know, start writing them all again, or, or start editing them again, or, or, or you know, the process never ends. So it's um, but now they're committed. They're committed now. They're on sound files and things. So they're right. out there. And um, I, within the last couple episodes, um, I decreased your tempo yes. Yes. by like 6%. And that seemed to make a lot of difference, which makes me wish I could go back. And I might be yeah, able absolutely. to go back and um, decrease the tempo, post-edit some of the episodes, yeah. if necessary, that are already online and make them a tad bit slower. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult it's a fine line, you know what I'm saying? You can't please everybody, so it's you gotta sometimes pick your battles. Yeah. Um, as far as what what you're you're wanting to get out, you know. I, I think the, um, the the moment that struck for me was when you sent us um, uh, Paul's reading of the McNaughton Memorandum when uh, it, you played my bit, and it sounds like I'm literally trying to get as fast to the end of the page as possible. And then, Paul, you just came in with it really slowly and measured and really. And I, I thought, oh, God, right, OK, this sounds like that's going to sound ridiculous. I've got to go back and do this again. <laughs> so I had to do that again based on that, which was good. Sorry about it's, that. No, no, no. Believe, believe me, if, you, if you'd done it, if you read it at the pace I read it, then um, I think they'd all last about four minutes. I think, before, I think if we'd done that. It's actually really difficult because like, so I, you know, you weren't given, I wasn't given any directions or instructions like beyond, you know, y'all deciding to cast me as the voice of Jack the Ripper, which, you know, is inexplicable. I, who would be ever consider me as a serial killer material? But like, if, like, especially like, like if you read the Openshaw letter, it is completely incomprehensible. Like yeah. he writes hospital with no H for hospital and then operate instead of operate. And so at first I'm trying to read it as it was written. And so I'm from the South. And even though, like, as I, as I told Jonathan, when he, when he came back and was like, uh, you need to read this again. Like you sound like, a hillbilly. I'm like, well, I'm from the South, and even though my mama did a good job of beating that accent out of me, that's what this sounds like to me. It's like, yeah, I mean, if you actually read it as written, it is, you know, to me, it's like, it's basically super hillbilly. It's like, Old boss, you was right. I was going to operate again close to your hospital just as I was going to draw me knife. You know, I mean, that's like literally what it's written like. And so I was trying to like, I'm like, this is so frustrating. I couldn't read it. And Jonathan was like, uh, no, go back, read it like a normal person, not like somebody like Ellie Mae on the hillbillies. And I was like, okay. So it was, oh, it was that one letter about to kill me. I had exactly the same with the Swanson uh, marginalia, not the hillbilly part, but just the fact when you start reading it, you're so used to reading it in books, but when you read it out loud, it literally makes no sense because it is just someone's note that they've written in the margin. Yeah. And you, you start reading it. I, I, I took about 20 minutes to record it over and over again. Uh, and it became quite frustrating because it just doesn't scan well. 
And uh, yeah, I had to keep pausing it and re-recording it, pausing it and re-recording it. So that's probably why the the second part of it uh, it sounds a little bit different, Jonathan, on the the actual recording. Yeah, my my, my actor friends found the same thing as well. Reading our reports um, when they were recording, we had to kind of go back and uh, work you know work out how to pronounce the abbreviations. Do we say the full word or abbreviation? And also, you know, some of it doesn't make sense. We say it out loud, you know grammatically speaking, so it's, you know, work out the balance there for how it is written and what actually makes sense when you read it aloud. Yeah, when I thought of, uh, you know, I didn't take into consideration any, you know, it was a really a by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of a thing, you know, with no, I didn't comprehend. When I asked Carl if he would be willing to turn it into an audio show, it was just a spur-of-the-moment idea you know i didn't actually think through what that would all entail and so yeah with so as you guys knew because you were involved in the process from the very beginning i was always coming back and you know do i do i need to like ali now i didn't look at ali as jack the ripper i she was cast as the uh uh, the the Ripper letters, right? Yeah. Um, not as Jack the Ripper. So I and I don't know if that distinction will make a difference to a listener who's not familiar with the case. But given that the majority of Ripperologists believe that Jack the Ripper <clears throat> didn't write any letters, or maybe yeah. only one of them, or whatever, that was kind of the idea behind that is um, someone who's not the Ripper is the one narrating the letters. I didn't want it to get too cartoonish um, with a sinister Jack the Ripper type person reading the From Hell letter. Um, but you, you couldn't really say, Ali, it's perfectly simple. Just read it as Jack the Ripper would have done. Because that would have been the worst <laughs> stage direction ever. Yeah. Someone we know nothing about, just read it like him, please. Exactly. I, on the I other hand, it just read it like Ellie May is a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually but, found that Ali's reading of it worked really well because one of the things that's always been said about the the actual language that's used in letters is that it was it was very American. So actually having someone with an American accent narrate it, yeah. it sounded really, really good. Uh, as opposed to, as you said, getting someone to do a sinister and inverted commas ripper voice, uh, that would have, I think, cheapened it slightly. Right. It also worked well because there's a preview as well, because um, before that main episode about the letters and writings, there's, I, I mention it, um, I think it's the Annie Chapman episode where I said, oh, this, the letter came out and you just saved the line, yours, Jack the Ripper. So I, th- I think it's quite nice. So there's, if people would hear the series week by week, they think, oh, Ali's doing the letters. So I think, you know, they're expecting you know, the next week to be more about you than, uh, uh, you know, they're, 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 it's no great shock that you're doing the, the words for the letters then. I thought, oh, that went really well. I'm glad everyone agreed with that choice. Um, I knew it was going to be different. Um, but I had my reasons behind it. Isn't it true that everybody uh, who was arrested for ra- uh, writing a uh, bogus Ripper letter was a woman? I think there's been a like two or three that were sure arrested. It might very well have been. Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> but all, female, so a, all females. There's, so. there's Maria Coroner, and then there was a Welsh the woman, one. and there's, there's several. Maria Coroner. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Is that the Bradford one, Maria Coroner? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the one, yeah. And one of the yes. women. Um, Ended up marrying uh, the hangman. Is that right? I don't think she didn't marry him, but she was uh, she was either a groupie or uh, or had a relationship with him. But with, I don't, uh, James uh, Barry. But, yeah, that's right. Don't think I don't think she married him. Okay, so that was uh, so. Anyway, that that was kind of the casting decision um, um, for Ali. I think if you're talking about the um, some of the difficult things to say, such as the language, um, I really struggled with um, George Chapman's son. Um, in the end, I just referred to him as the child. I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to pronounce his name. 
And I also had um, an issue with the words, I think I said, multiple mutilating murderer. <laughs> and then at some point I thought, who wrote this? Who wrote, why, why is this so difficult? And thought, yeah, that was me. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not used to reading my own lines before. There were times when I just thought, this sentence just goes on for weeks. What are you doing here? But yeah, that's my own fault. So there was a little bit of self-editing going through. And uh, yeah, it's interesting um, for you guys. I think I'm the only one who who has heard the raw uh, recordings <laughs> of Carl reading these things. Yeah. And and one, I like planning. feel so sorry for him because it is so difficult. It, I didn't. I couldn't. Have, if I would have known how difficult reading something like those straight through would have been i would have never asked carl to do it because i it just got i did feel really sorry for him i was like oh and and the thing is is i don't know if it's a british thing ali will say it's a british thing but um you're so polite that um you're like constantly apologizing to me yeah throughout <laughs> the recordings oh i'm sorry jonathan oh, sorry sorry jonathan. sorry yeah. i'll do that again and uh and I'm just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, how, how depressing. Uh, <laughs> poor Carl. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, so it's... One of the things, double event one took an hour. I think, I think I do an hour of narration on the double event. I think I did at one point, anyway, before I managed to cut it down a bit. Mm-hmm. That um, took a while. You must have had quite a laugh, Jonathan, at some of the, the raw things that were sent through, because initially uh, one of the ones that I had been given was George Hutchison. And I looked at it and I thought, well, I can't really do this because I'm Scottish and George Hutchison is not. And I gave it a go. And my wife said, I wouldn't even bother sending that through. You sound like David <laughs> Dyke. Yeah. And I was very glad that someone else sent <laughs> Yeah, I had up. to recast you. Uh, yeah, yeah, because your accent—it's it, weird. It's it like you've been show. on the show before, and I—I I know that I know that you have a Scottish accent, but for some reason in this recording, it just came through so thick. Yeah, that, that I was—I uh, um, was just like, that's just not going to work. <laughs> so, I think I yeah, had some interesting accents going on as well because I was trying to do different accents. I'm not very good at accents, so uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have bothered. Um, I don't know if I sent it to you, but I know one of my no. takes, I got it wrong about five or six times, I just swore really loudly um, at, the, at the recording. So I can't remember if I sent you that uh, version of that. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I actually... <laughs> this whole process has actually let me see an entire different side of my wife, because I didn't realise she was such a lovey. <laughs> we started doing this, and I, I was just—I was just reading it out. She's like, "No, I need context. You need—you need to give me some books. You need to tell me uh, what she was doing at this time, and where's she from, and oh, how did I do that accent?" I'm thinking, "You're doing different accents. Where did this come from?" <laughs> and now, Ian, uh, I'm going to tell this to everyone else. I don't think anyone else knows this, but Ian's mom has uh, begun listening to the 10 Weeks in Whitechapel series, and now I think she's going back and listening to older episodes of Rippercast. Yeah, she said that. So we're turning uh, his mother into a Ripperologist. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Excellent. Awesome. All, all, all it means is that I'm going to end up getting uh, questions about Jack the Ripper rather than questions on how can you fix my computer. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ian's mom. <laughs> so, uh, one of now the one this is recording on Saturday, and we're going to release it along with week nine tomorrow on Sunday. But I haven't finished editing um, week nine yet. Um, so, just to let you guys know, what I'll be doing for the next twenty-four hours is edit- <laughs> editing both of these shows. Um, but one of the things that I really liked about week nine, which since after this has been released, you guys would have heard by now, is uh, Kate Amin plays a woman who sits next to Carl on the bus. Oh, God. And, okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, as he's reading um, a book on Fred West, which book was that? Is it the really nasty one? The, uh, it, was, it's, it was the I'd comment one. It's the Howard Sooness's book. Right, Which what I was its title? Is that ulti- uh, evil something? Ultimate. Huh? 
I'm going to look it up. I, I think it was something evil, yeah. Um, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's like stomach-churningly horrific. This this uh, book about the the West murders. It's um, Fred and Rose, the full story of Fred and, uh, Fred and Rose West. Um, but anyway, so, and this is the first time in the series where I have a, a voice actor, Kate, interacting with the narrator. With, so it kind of like breaks the third wall between the, vo- you know what I'm saying? All eight episodes up until that point yeah. had just been plug in a coroner, plug in a police officer, plug in Philip. Hutchison reading the newspaper reports or whatever, but the, here I'm actually putting Kate in speaking to Carl and him talking back to her, and um, and I really like that. That's the most enjoyable. It's been most the, the most. It's a very short little section of the show, um, but it was the most fun to put together, and it makes me wish that maybe Carl as if he ever wants to return to writing about Jack the Ripper, one of the, that's something I would like to experiment more with, is more of a, uh, not necessarily a fictionalized version of the yep. Ripper murders, but, uh, you know, somehow having a program like this where, where you could, you know, like, if you're questioning, you know, the... The, um, Gordon Brown's findings, on, you know, or whatever, you can have dialogue with the yeah. um, person. I liked that a lot. And I wish we would have that. Well, so that made me wish that there there could have been more times in the series where yeah. where um, uh, you, you have this interaction with Paul where you ask him to repeat um, yes. a part of the McNaughton Memoranda, or what, whichever section no, no that was. Saw, no one saw the Whitechapel Killer. Right. That line. Right. That was it, yeah. Um, when I did that little act like I was rewinding an audio tape, the zzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
three Gordon Browns and and I labeled one the best and discarded the rest kind of a thing. Well, we can tell who was your favorite, obviously, well, you, Neil. You sent me um, a few recordings, like you were saying earlier, the the plantation owner version of... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay, not just because it had a southern accent doesn't mean it was plantation owner. You do realize people live in the south, and we all still talk like that, you know? Like, come meet my kid. People still talk like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are my relations. Petty, petticoat petticoat Junction uh, version of the uh, river. So, all um, you Yankees and bias. Anyhow, we uh, Brian Young is That'd be me. Uh, you you were you're just a listener to the show. I'm nothing more than a listener. <laughs> no, actually, I, w- I was going to say one of the things I loved about it is uh, you know I'm a New Yorker, so I talk as fast as Carol, and uh, the the mixture of the accents is what you know really made it enjoyable for me. I, I loved it. I loved the Scottish and then the the, the American and then the the the, uh, the Liverpool accent all mixed together. It just Kind of made it more fun. I'd love to hear the Beverly Hillbillies version of it mixed in there too. <laughs> that I, I think. Real. Well, I think when the the director's cut comes out, the uh, that's how you can make money. You can charge for the digitally remastered director's cut version. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to hear some of the outtakes. You you wait for the film. You know, I'll also tell you as a listener. Um, since I can step back a little bit from all of you on this, the other thing I really loved about this series was the proper amount of humor that was added. And it was never used to disparage anything that should have been taken much more seriously. But Carl, you use that sense of humor, uh, especially with the, um, uh, the theories, the suspect episode. And it was, it's fantastic. It made it, incredibly enjoyable to listen to it did have me laughing at work while i was listening to it making everybody look at me and they think i'm crazy anyway for listening to ripper stuff at work but um (laughs) you uh you know it's it's the first ripper type series of any kind i've heard that actually added humor where it belonged and uh you know personally i want to thank you for that that uh, made it a lot more enjoyable well i i I decided in the introduction to issue a disclaimer by saying if this um, there will be a bit of levity to this because obviously it's a very serious, um, um, well, ten very serious weeks, and you know, and the conditions were revolting. And I had to say that if if I make a joke out of any of this, then it's nothing against the victims or the people who had to suffer those times. So I had to say that straight away, really, just because I, I didn't want it to be. Um, Look at this! Isn't this cool? Isn't this funny? This is why I'm into it. Um, I had to pretty much immediately state that it is so dark at times, I mean, obviously what happened to the victims, that I will, you know, it, it's, it's a classic drama technique where basically it's something so dark that you, at some point you have to make people laugh occasionally just to, you know, lighten the mood a bit and just, you know, not make people suffer so much by the content. That, that was a very deliberate thing. Um, uh, and when, you, when it comes to talking about the suspects as well, I, I decided, apart from the Royal Conspiracy... I decided to just basically say, this is what I know about this. Um, and obviously, I'm, I probably have missed a few things out as well, but I deliberately don't say, and I think this happened. Um, the only person I really criticise is George Hutchison, which is um, um, a pop and roll conspiracy, but that's mostly because I'm really interested in George Hutchison. So I just really, when I, when I wrote it originally, I just wanted people to think, well, he sounds interesting. I'll look into him as well, and maybe they'll be as interested in him as I am. It's flavored by George Hutchison throughout the series, so I want to. Uh, I think he's in. I think he's in every week, even the weeks he's not in. He gets mentioned. The way that this, uh, as far as the suspects go, and I want to talk a little bit about accuracy because what we did was is um, I shared the um, ep- as much as I could, unless I was falling behind schedule. I would share the episodes online with the participants. And if there were errors of fact, like that Neil pointed out a a couple of places and I pointed out a couple of places where in the actual text, um, 
there there were errors, then Carl would go back and re-record, or I would somehow try to edit it um, yeah. <clears throat> by inserting the right information and and stuff like that. We kind of work a little bit of magic to to try to correct errors, but. Um, as far as opinions go, you know, like the typical listener of Rippercast knows that our panelists will stick hard and true to the facts and up to date current information on the case and know that's been discovered falsely, you know, and we're very nitpicky. But with this series, I, I was intentionally letting Carl, um, and I think someone, it's, it's not quite what I would say is written from a newbie's perspective. I think Neil made a comment on Facebook that it, um, that it, it's harkens back to a simpler time when we were first all kind of getting involved in the case. But, um, but so, so minor errors that, anyone who first comes to the case might discover that it won't be corrected until you delve deep into the casebook message boards or something like that. I allowed to remain. So, and so what comes to mind is for me personally, is like the tumble tea section. I had Michael Hawley read Colonel Dunham's statement that he gave to the press about the uterus collection and it's bookended with Carl you know, talking about tumble tea and some of the things in the tumble tea section, Mike Holly w- might have a problem with, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, but, but so, but that's okay. It's, you know, because this is Carl's writing on, on his interpretation of the case. And so a lot of the things that, you know, people who have been in the field for 20 years, when they listen to the show, might have criticisms about facts. Yeah. They they have to step back and remember that this is one person, you know, Rippercast does not endorse nor, you know, <laughs> whatever, yeah. uh, uh, you know, what, what Carl's written about. So it's kind of a different kind of a project. That, that's what I, I, John said on the, the original podcast we did. It's like a, a, a Ripper 101 in some ways. And, and the reason I wrote it um, is basically because I find that there's many reasons really, but one is I think when you write something that you're interested in and you set it down and you put it in to, you know, to a chronological order, then you get to know your own mind better and you get to discover things that, you know, you, you, you didn't even realize until you go back to right, who said that? When did they say that? So, you know, you, you're researching from that point of view. But what I really wanted to do was basically write it to myself on the day when I first wandered into Mitre Square and thought, oh, I'll read up about that later, which is how I got interested in the case when I, when I bumbled my way into Mitre Square um, in September 2014. And it's, so it's really very selfishly just written for me how, how I was three years ago. And, you know, here's everything presented. Here's the murders. Here's exactly what was going on in Burner Street um, uh, that night and the people who were there. And it's all in one place. That's what I wanted originally, rather than a sort of forensic um, examination of every single thing. And and um, I had to keep it quite broad because, I mean, Tumblety himself, there's so many different theories about him uh, as we discovered recently that um, I had to keep it quite broad. And by, by which I mean also, in some ways, quite incorrect in places because that's my reading of it. Whether I'm right or not, I don't know, but I think that's... Um, I think if you're reading the blog for the first time, and I have had this feedback, um, I wanted it to read, read as a sort of uncomplicated, this is what happens from Emma Elizabeth Smith right until the Swanson marginalia. I wanted to, well, right up to the Stephen Knight book even. Um, I wanted everything to be sort of there in its little packages, really. So people would just be, if they're interested in tiny little things like George Hutchison, they can go and find it themselves. So it was never going to be completely accurate because I don't think everyone's theories on it are completely accurate anyway, because not everyone knows everything. So I tried to keep it as broad as possible, really. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I wanted you to do this was because we've received feedback for <clears throat> forever, since the very beginning of the show, yeah. almost 10 years ago, that we jumped in 
um, too um, too fast. And you know, this is a, a one of the a, a, one of the criticisms of, of Rippercast, and rightly so, uh, is that. And Ali tried to remedy this a couple of years ago. Is there isn't just you know episode you know people are used to listening to podcasts now where episode one is an introduction yeah and and you know and then you know it get, it maybe it'll get more in in detail throughout the series but when i started this we just dove right in you know um you know chris scott would be on episode three and whether you weren't prepare you know if you weren't ready for an in-depth discussion of the census reports of who lived in dorset street in miller's court you know um then then too bad kind of a thing so people would come to me and say there isn't um an introduction to the case it's too inside baseball it's too complex you know, and those types, those types of complaints, and so this was kind of my way to remedy that. Um, is is hey, this is a great blog. It gives uh, a detailed but simple, if that can make sense, um, yeah. s- description of the the case. And if I turn this into a series, then. Um, you know, and it was really well written and, and everything. And you know, if we could turn this into the series, then then um, I'm I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone. I'm doing something different and enjoyable for I think hopefully for people who are long term ripperologists. And I'm solving the problem that the podcast had of not really being having anything a listener I could point to and say. Well, if you're just wanting an introduction, then listen to the 10 Weeks in Whitechapel series or something yeah. like that, you know, and then go back and start listening to the earlier episodes or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think um, if there are, if Mike's not going to agree with my Tumbleton section, then hopefully someone will be interested in that and listen to Mike and Brian from a few weeks ago for, you know, for more information. So that, that was always the plan, really. It's... Um, uh, as I said in the, the, the original podcast we did, the, the greatest compliment I've had from this is, is questions on Twitter, which is, um, what, what do I read next? Who do I read next? Well, I've read this now, and I want more information. And that, that's just been tremendously gratifying. Because it means you're, you're, you're sparking something within people. Mm-hmm. You're making people curious as to a certain thing which they weren't always interested in. Um, so, you know, I point them to various books and... Uh, and I still get questions occasionally. I, still, I, I was asked about three weeks ago which direction was Mrs. Long walking when she, uh, when she walked past Annie Chapman. And someone I've never heard of. So they'd obviously just read this and obviously just looked at it themselves. And, and, and that, that's re- again, that's really gratifying for me because it means it's worked. My original plans worked. I've, I've got people interested in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it definitely worked. I mean, I've, I've been in involved for nearly 30 years in this and was thoroughly entertained and yet thinking the whole time, you know, I wish this was there 30 years ago when I started researching this. Um, as for the tumble tea section, you're right. Mike probably won't like it. And I loved it personally. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm really sick of tumble tea spending the last year and a half of my life completely involved in tumble tea, but, um, no, actually I don't think Mike will dislike it at all. Um, I thought it was very fair. I thought it was good. And, and it was entertaining because Tumble T was a pretty entertaining guy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, th- this project, you know, like I said, I've been in for so many years and was entertained throughout. And uh, I actually have a few friends who know very little about Ripperology that I turned on to the, uh, to the series. And they've been loving it. Of course, they've been, you know, hammering me with questions ever since. But, uh that's fine. That's what it's about. It's uh, it, it's a really really good job. And Martin Fido, he um, people are still listening to his uh, audio recordings about the case, I believe, right? And he did his what twenty years ago or something. You know, if 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 um, if Fido's. Um, Audios, audio, audio recordings of Jack the Ripper from I think before Tumble Tea was even discovered, 
are still being listened to and enjoyed, then yeah. then um, then I think that we're okay. And and it's kind of weird because you know, like we're we're so I don't know if it's because of the internet or what, but you know we're so focused on um, is is this popular? Are people listening? Are we getting feedback? Is it getting retweeted on Twitter? Are we getting emails from listeners and things like that? As the series is like going on, is one thing, but um, but we'd kind of overlook the fact that this is going to be available for years to come. You know, yeah, on Casebook, so people will still be coming back to us and um, and and saying that they like the show or whatever, you know, when we've forgotten that we, we even did it. Just like it happens to this day with episodes of Rippercast, people will mention, hey, I was listening to such, you know, Stan Russo talk about, yeah. you know, whatever from 2009. And yeah, well, I, that, that was me, mean? really. Huh? That, that was me. I, when I first became interested in the case, I, I listened to every single podcast. Um, and it was only, I think, three or four months before I realized that I look back and think they're all from 2008 or something. So, <laughs> yeah, it's where I have to go back and re listen to the show yeah. that I haven't listened to in eight years um, to know what the listener is talking about when they ask me questions. <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll see that as far as. So, um, yeah. So immediate reactions and things like that are one thing, um, but um, having it be an archive and, and available, you know, 10 years from now, someone will hear you speak about Russell Edwards and say, like, what, who, what? Yeah. You know, so. Yes. Also, Paul, you've done very well out of my recommendations to my friends. So there will oh, be some you. There'll be some royalties heading your way soon. Oh, well, that make a change. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get not, too many. I recommend the facts and um, uh, the something. The, 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 Thank you. Like, Thank you. Yes, it's always nice to uh, to see the books get uh, get recommended. Because also, there's there's so many of them, isn't there now? So. Um, not mine, or just in general. No, generally. <laughs> yes. Yes, but most of yeah. them are just crap. I mean, so like you know, the part of the problem with the ease of technology now is a lot. It's pretty much anything's getting published, and with you know, pay to publish books and stuff like that. I like to see the good quality ones, such as Paul's. You know, getting the nod and the publication and the the recommends because. Let's face it, there's a glut of really bad books on the subject out there. There's been a, a bit of a drop-off, really, in publishing of Jack the Ripper books from the mainstream sort of professional press, as it were. Um, instead, we've... Oops, sorry, a message just came up. Um, is that uh, we, apart from a couple of uh, specialist titles... Well, not specialist, but things like uh, the uh, the Kuzminski and the and and the uh, the the apron and stuff. Um, we haven't really seen very much in the way of serious Jet Ripper books coming along. Not no, no, no. Really, I suppose not. I mean, that's another reason why I wanted to write this blog as a as a Ripper One Hundred and One. Really, just because I didn't want it to be specialised. Well, firstly, because I I wouldn't know what I was doing, to be honest. Um, and I, 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 the reason I wanted to write this as a general overview of this is this, you know, that this is this is my interpretation of it, and um, um, and also what it's like to come into the field um, new, really, into 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 a community which has obviously been going for so long, and um, and basically how I also, I mean, I'll be talking about this at the conference of just how much. Um, I've been accepted by everyone. There's, there's no sort of, you're new, you don't know what you're talking about, go away. It's been completely the opposite for me. Um, no, been, no, uh, no, 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 no. What's been said behind your back is nobody's business. Well, that's business. true. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is true, yes. 
because rarely have I heard anybody pulled apart as much as you have so thoroughly. <laughs> so many people, even people who don't know you. This that actually makes me feel even better, to be honest. <laughs> I want to be a firebrand, firebrand in the Ripple world. <laughs> Uh, my, my advice is if you want to be uh, if you want to be bashed and ridiculed a lot, start putting out more tumblety stuff. Yeah, it <laughs> works wonderfully. That's a fancy yeah, that's I was going to say actually about tumblety. One of, the, one of the good things about it um, was I, I wrote about him. I think I did Ostrog, and then I wrote about tumblety. And I, I read it recently, and it's almost as if I'm saying I know nothing about Ostrog at all, other than the. Um, the, the theory that he's supposed to be a, um, a murderer, but then he steals tankards, um, which seems a bit of an odd thing to do. But don't worry, everyone, because the man I'm talking about next is yeah. just incredible. <laughs> so so I, I used to his light relief as much as anything. Yeah, you really can't talk about Ostrog without getting too um, involved in the minutia of the case, you know? Yeah. Because you're not talking about Ostrog, you're talking about the motivation behind naming him in the first place. And then you wander into, you know, conspiracy theories and, you know, um, Druidism and, and yeah. things like that to where, um, sticking just to the facts that he was in Paris at the time move along yeah. was kind of yeah, the, little, best, little, the best way, the only along. way you could have really gone about it. Yeah. Of course, they didn't know that when they were, when uh, he was as advanced as a suspect, they didn't know where he was. So somebody somewhere presumably thought that he made a viable suspect. It's, uh, it's odd. Uh, but the great thing about Tumblety is that what little we knew about Tumblety, he didn't look very likely as a as a ripper suspect. Yeah. But the more you read now, particularly with the new material that uh, has been found, you can see that this man uh, was peculiar. He he, you know, there, there there's a lot there with. Uh, with the knives and uh, and so forth, that if the British police knew about all of that, he's he's a he's a dead cert for being picked up. Yeah, and so you can see why he became a suspect, and I suspect that uh, Ostrog is the same. That once we know more about him, if we only yeah. get, get below the, the 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 main reports, then uh, it would all become clear. Yeah, there's, there's definitely something in there, um, but uh, I don't know if you'll know for quite some time. But but yeah, it, it, was, it was difficult to write about. Very difficult because I, mm. I didn't just I didn't just want to put two paragraphs on him and say right, and now this. I had to sort of stretch that out a bit and give him some time. But there's so little known about him, and it's pretty much impossible, really. Yeah, no, it's it's a very difficult uh, thing. It's a it's funny, we're looking back to the days when we didn't know who Kosminski or Ostrog was. I mean, we, yeah. we just had the names and what McNaughton said about them. Yeah. I, I found that, that section really the most interesting to write, I think, just because I, I said on the original podcast with, um, with, with Neil and John that it was it, just the, the chronology of that entire thing, of, you know, what's in McNaughton now, etc. I found that really interesting. And mm. when, you know, when, when you're planning out what you're writing, you're thinking, how can you possibly say that? And uh, as, as, as Jonathan was saying before, there's a section where I say, hang on, did he just say that? No one saw the Whitechapel murder. You're, you're, you're claiming you were sat in a room with them at one point. Um, and I, that, I find that the most interesting to write. Far more interesting than, than, than some of the others. Well, the, the bit about me. <laughs> Well, that goes without saying. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yes, it's. I think that the suspects uh, can be the most interesting to write about. There's, I suppose, the suspect thing is what gets everybody interested in the Ripper anyway. That's the mystery. Yeah, I did. Um, I, I, I do. Um, 
uh, I work for I write for a Liverpool website called the Anfield Wrap, and we had um, I did a radio show um, about football generally when I was home, and at the end of it, the, my my friend who presented it said uh, mentioned ten weeks in Whitechapel, and my friend Rob was on with him, and he said to me at the end of it, "Do you say who the killer was?" And I said, "No, I, I really do the I really do the opposite, to be honest." And uh, and he just went, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wrap it all up in a little bow for you and give you the killer at the end. So it is kind of odd, isn't it, to think that you've yeah. got over 200 books written about somebody that we don't know who it was. Yeah. And, that, and none of those books have a conclusion that is certain and positive. Yeah. And in Whitechapel, I think it was a really awesome idea. I'm glad Carl did the blog, and I'm really glad Jonathan had the idea of making it into a Rippercast. Hmm. Well, thanks. I didn't. I didn't want this. Um, I, I I'm was, trying to redeem myself, Jonathan. <laughs> I, no, that's good. Um, and when I edit, like all of that middle portion of the show out, you'll sound really great by, by just <laughs> slinging, slinging that compliment it's not now. out of nowhere. Um, People will know there's something wrong if Ali's giving a compliment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, this is a this whole ten weeks in Whitechapel cast party thing is a hard one to do because I don't I don't want to come across as self congratulatory pat on back, you know, or anything like that. So I knew it was going to be difficult. I almost wanted someone else to host it. Um. So, uh, but it is what it is. But I don't think it is self. I mean, you had the idea to. I mean, you know, Carl did the did the blog, and then you did the. You had the idea to do it, but so many people were involved in making this what it is. From you know, John's actor theater friends, they all deserve you know like a a round of applause for volunteering their time here and you know, Neil and just everybody. I mean, a lot of people devoted time to this that yeah. I think they really do deserve a call a shout out of just hey, you know. Not that I would remember anybody's names, because we've all established I'm rubbish when it comes to memory. But, um, you know, just so many people worked on this that they really do deserve a good pat on the back for it. You and Carl, definitely, because you did do a whole lot of work on this. But, you know, just everybody who um, donated their time to this. Absolutely. And at the very last minute, in a lot of cases, too. Um, well, I was going to say, can I, can I pat my friend um, Adam Stevens? Uh, who, read, who read the piece of uh, is Timothy Donovan from the Annie Chapman murder, and he played Matthew Packer. Uh, and he recorded the Matthew Packer section when he was literally—he was literally getting ready to go to Las Vegas that morning. So, uh, and I just emailed him and said, "Oh, look, just, just do this." And he said, "How do I do it? Just make out that you're lying." And um, yeah, that uh, was a section that John um, John Reese's one of John Reese's actor friends read. But it didn't turn out very well. Um, and oh, is that, is that the one where, where Steve couldn't pronounce a word that he did about nine times? And I was like, oh, just... <laughs> was that Matthew Packer? Yeah, the Matthew Packer yeah. one. Um, yeah. To where I tried to make it work, um, but I just had to have someone else do it at the very last minute. And yeah. Paul, and then there um, were... Then Paul, I think, um, because this, the way it was originally set up was that I was going off of all of the text on the blog that Carl had written in bold as in assigning lines through that using that but then there were parts where I didn't anticipate he intended to have a voice come in um, within his paragraphs and they could be very short, like one or two words, or just a couple of words, you know, sections in which Carl would throw me, would surprise me with, you know, male voice here section, and I'd be like, yeah. oh shoot, I don't, I don't have that. Um, and so, like, there were literally, I think actually it did happen where Paul sent me a recording of him reading a line, and I inserted it into the show like 20 minutes before we I ended up releasing it um so it was really kind of a seat of my pants um production and I'm, I'm amazed you know that we were all able to pull it off so 
definitely the the ability to call out into <laughs> the social media world. Hey, I need someone to read this line. Yeah, you know, definitely. and then have it delivered to me. You know, uh, thirty minutes later was um, a godsend. So it couldn't have happened without social media. Here I was bashing social media twenty minutes ago, but this <laughs> whole thing came together through Facebook, essentially. Yeah, and um, and and so that's kind of amazing. Well, the big question now is what you're going to do next. Retire. <laughs> no. Ah. No, you've just you've just started to push the snowball down the hill. It's got to gather speed and more snow. And <laughs> what's going to? Where is it going to end up? Who's going to get? Uh, what's it going to be like when it gets to the end? Yeah, because John, if you retire, it means that Ali will take over as the, the owner of Rippercast, and that's just going to go off in a strange, wild, scary direction. Or not that she couldn't Thanks, remember Barry anything. Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah, forget, so, like, yeah, so I'll forget, forget for minutes is. There'll be all banjo music and talking. Behind the scenes um, anecdotes and stuff like that as well today. What's that, John? Uh, I think Carl had an amusing story of his reaction to, to hearing the word Lipsky being shouted. Oh, God. I yeah. I was, um, I was, uh, I think I was running. I was out on a run, and something I don't do very often. And uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll just, um, it's a double event one, wasn't it? No, I'll tell you what it was. It was, um, I'd just been on the London job with um, Philip, Steve, uh, Andrew, and Mark. And, uh, I played it walking through Moorgate, and I was walking. To, I was walking to the tube, and then suddenly, I was, obviously, I wrote it, so I know it's coming. But I wasn't expecting John to scream the word Lipsky quite so loudly as he was doing. And I actually yelped in the middle of the street, and so these people staring at me. And that was that's one that. of the. That's one of the parts where you said it yourself. Yeah, I don't think you intended on anyone to say no. it. No, um, because it was because it, it got through me. Yeah, so so it was the 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 way that that Carl recorded the, this was some parts he would just read straight out like Lipsky, yeah. he read th straight through in his narration, and I inserted John saying Lipsky, thinking that he intended someone to actually say it, but he didn't. And then other parts, Carl would do it twice. He'd do two run-throughs. He'd do a run-through if I had someone's voice to include, and then he'd repeat it with him doing it in but, case yeah, I didn't example, in case I didn't have that audio to insert. Yeah. So an example of that is, is I talk about Book Row and the Charles Booth um, uh, definition of what Book Row was. And I think I read that twice. And well, I think I read it, then I said insert voice here or something. So, um, I think that was you, John, who did that. Um, so, uh, just, just, just basically to cover all bases as much as anything. Yeah, which was which became really helpful because there are parts in there where um, I left Carl in, you know. Yeah. Small quotes, and then parts that I was able to insert voice actors. So. Yeah, no, it was. I think overall, I'm I'm just so grateful that um, to you, particularly Jonathan, for the work you put in for this and. Uh, um, I knew it was going to be good because I've been a big fan of the, of the of the show in general, regardless of who's on. And uh, but I just uh, it's just an incredible experience to be involved in all of this because of course when I started writing it, I wrote it for maybe three people, and now suddenly it's now now we're as I say before we're in a cast party. It's, uh, it, everyone's generosity has been absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm so stunned that people have given up so much time to help me with this. Well, thanks for that, Carl. Um... It's appreciated, and 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 um, yeah, I didn't know what to expect um, when I when I just kind of did a shout out for volunteers to participate, but um, more than enough people um, ended up being available to help out. So yeah, so it 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 uh, we were lucky, I think. I, I think it's a good thing that the community of Ripperology do have people who are willing to. Help each other out on projects like this. Now we've got a moment 
themselves. This is one of those things that uh, I think the community is fantastic at. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. Really, is what I'm saying. Thank you. Uh,